Tiger Range Anxiety, and uh, thank you to Marvin Gaye for sexual healing. Uh, more on that in a little bit, but uh, here we go. Fans, Flat Earths, Flogs, and Freeloaders, we're back, and we're doing a midweeker. I'm actually doing it on a Monday, so we've got this beautiful public holiday in Adelaide, and I'm up here recording, enjoying it in the Tesla Model 3 performance at the Ashton cold stores where they keep the apples these people are kind enough to let me use their facility whenever i want they're good people so uh try their apples i suppose but more on that intro sexual healing by marvin gay poor old marvin i think he got shot by his son or something didn't he what a talent wasted the reason though there is a reason there's a reason for most uh intro tracks and the reason for that today is that uh you might have an STI and not even know it. Remember those billboards? They were up around Adelaide and it was a, a rather alarmed looking young lady looking into the camera and hugging her boyfriend who had his back with the camera and looks like she just copped herself an STI. <laughs> what do you think of that, Paul Howes? I know he's not with me. Um, oh, when I get home, I'll be converting the uh, Model 3 into a ventilator as Elon showed us once, and uh, we'll be administering a bit of oxygen to Paul. Now, in fact, he's quite well now. He's uh, in text, so I wouldn't go near him. I wouldn't have driveway beers with him. He's so infected. His comment to me was, weakest virus ever. Full stop. Period. So, get better soon, Paul, and hopefully we'll see you back at some stage, unless Phelps replaces you. So, the STI, it's dead. Who would have figured the Subaru WRX STI is officially dead? And it, came, you know, it happened a couple of days ago on the internet. And everyone's like, oh my God, I never thought they'd do it. Oh dear, people that thought they were never going to kill the STI were obviously deaf, dumb and blind. I mean, the last one was called uh, the final edition. So what do you reckon the final edition means? It could be the last one. And of course, every flog who knows what he's got as you know, you got their $65,000 final edition on car sales now for $220,000. Good luck with that. What an absolute crock of shit. You're not going to get it, so stop even dreaming about it. And on the way up here, Adelaide locals will know, um, Green Hill Road gets a bit twisty. There was someone out in an STI tarmac rally car who drove a fair, you know, with race seats, cage, everything in it. Must have been doing a bit of, you know, a testing drove fair up my clacker in the Model 3 and was zooming all over me and um, I proceeded to give him a science lesson in gaptology. Yeah, uh, you got to be careful who you pick on when you're driving one of those things. Uh, was, you know, especially if you're picking on one of these because uh, you talk up a hill, handling, grip, grunt, gone. Uh, yeah, he'll be having a uh, another think about, <laughs> about maybe what he's driving. Now, there's nothing wrong with STIs. I actually go way, way back with them, but we'll probably do that later. We'll, we'll probably talk about what it means to the industry. The STI in its current form is gone, and good riddance. There is going to be a new STI, and it is allegedly, according to Subaru North America, going to be powered by an electric powertrain, um, which all the fanboys are going, oh no, what about... The, the throb, the WRX rumble. Yeah, the sound of um, poorly designed, unequal length headers. Yeah, that's a good thing that'll be gone. 
But who will be really upset about this more than a bunch of kids that play Forza is um, aftermarket head gasket and bearing manufacturers because, yeah, they'll probably go out of business, a lot of them, <laughs> because these cars, the EJ, we'll cover it off in a minute, but the EJ25 was getting very long in the tooth and had some pretty inherent design issues that you've got to be really, really careful with. You know, having been involved in um, the Crest CNC billet block, block program back in the day where we actually did a Subaru billet block and Crest CNC still still do good product that. Um, we got to see a lot of the weaknesses. But let's go right back to the very beginning. Obviously, the STI was uh, built for the World Rally program, you know, with Colin McRae and all of those dudes and, you know, Possum Bourne and all of the great drivers of the year in the dirt. And it was, it was designed to go head-to-head with the... Mitsubishi Evolution, which it did, and it did so very, very successfully over many, many years. And so the initial cars, like the first of the, um, you know, GC8 STIs, I think they came out in 95 or something like that, um, were just incredible things. You know, they were good, they were fast, they handled, and compared to the shit boxes of the day, they were quick. You know, they'd do a 13.2 or three or four second quarter mile, and None of our local V8s could do that in the 90s. They were lucky to be doing mid-14s, you know, and so it was a, a lot of American stuff wasn't very fast. So they were really, really cool, fast cars in the day. And, you know, the culmination of them was, sadly, the car I sold not so long ago was a um, 99 STI version 5. Fantastic Australian delivered car, 26,000 kilometres on it. And I sold it, dickhead. Um... Anyway, you know, we can talk about those things all throughout our life story and don't worry about it. But, you know, I remember when they first came to Australia, those things popped motors left, right and centre in 99 because that was before we had 98 octane unleaded and Subaru Japan didn't retune them for our lower octane shit. I think we could only get 95 at the time. So, you know, the things had more rattles than Elvis's kids and, you know, they knocked the ring lens out of themselves and blew up pretty much straight away, a lot of them. Um, the one I had didn't, thankfully. I think they had, especially the imports, they were the worst. Oh, aggressive timing and those bloody things. Horrid. And yeah, so they all, like, shat themselves. Now, I think back then, just before they officially got released in Australia, there were a few import ones coming in at uh, Prestige Walkerville. I reckon they were 80 grand back then. That's equivalent. Let's work it out. Do, 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 do. On my mental calculator, that'd be Tesla Plaid money now, 200-odd grand. Yeah, 250 grand. They, were, they weren't a cheap car, but people went out, bought them, put 95 in them, thrashed them, and blew them up. So, yeah, not very good. You know, um, the EJ207 was probably the best of the engines, and that was the last of the two liters, I believe, that was used in some STI. I'm not sure the 99V5 had it, but the 207 was a strong little thing. You know, I had a friend um, that I speak about on this podcast, Phil Bobo Bunker, had raced 207 for a while and tuned up well. They'll make 450 horsepower more pretty reliably and um, not do stupid things to themselves. You know, there is an art. I mean, Subaru engines, when you build them, are not very forgiving things. There is an art to getting them done right in terms of the clearancing and there is an art to building one that lasts, which is why 999 percent of the aftermarket that build Subaru engines are, are they're a lot worse than stock they're shit they don't last and they don't make any grunt but then there's that one percent you know who I was lucky enough to be exposed to the guys like 
um, IAG Performance in Maryland. If you're listening, Rick and JJ, good work, boys, team. And, of course, Vermont Sports Cars, you know, who are Subaru North America rally team pretty much. Those guys know how to conjure power out of an engine, clearance them correctly, build them correctly, torrents everything correctly so that they last. But, unfortunately, very, uh, very few could do it and still to this day. So, you know, I unfortunately see a lot of shitbox Subarus that are built and are much worse than a standard piece. Maybe one day... They'll, uh, they'll get on with it and work out what's going on there. A little bird just dropped a nut on my roof. You might have heard that. Little prick. Glass roofs. Hopefully it doesn't explode on the way home now. Um, yeah, so interesting times. And, and the STI really started to go downhill, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and rag on them because I love them and I've owned a lot of them and I, I do a lot of work on them. But as soon as Subaru pulled out of um, the World Rally Championship, need or the impetus to do anything good with the car slowly slowly just disappeared and Subaru's uh, technical department Subaru Technica International became more and more lax with the things to the point where the thing you know in the last decade really didn't get a power upgrade during the last 12 14 years it just stayed at the same power with the same old EJ 207 in it having the same issues as it always did and yeah, it was just shit, really, in the end. Because what had happened, while well, the car didn't get any worse, is all of the competition moved on. And, you know, there were things like, you know, Audi S3s and A45s and stuff like that that would just absolutely tear an STI a new asshole. You know, so all of the competition moved on. The Japanese didn't see it as, as obviously too important because, you know, the Evo 10 never got developed, really, after 20, 2008, 2008. And yeah, it just it just all became just a just a stale thing, and it was really really sad because you know Subaru had a good chance to do something pretty cool with that package if if they had chosen to. Here come some bikes. Listen to that, you know, that old internal combustion magic. Yeah, they had a chance to do something, but they just chose not to. And you know the EJ two hundred seven was far from so the EJ two five seven the two and a half liter was just far from a refined and developed thing by the end of its life. In fact, it was actually pretty nasty and, you know, Subaru didn't really attend to any of its basic inefficiencies, such as uh, poor tuning from the factory, which in the 08s and 09s would cause them to crack ring lands. There was, you know, like boost resumes and things that had to be brought on differently and timing had to be retarded, you know, the old girls. The two-litre, you could screw some timing into them, and then all of a sudden, everyone started doing that to the 2.5s. Bang! Instantly, a V3 or a flat 3. Da, 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 you know, done. Smoke pouring out of them. Done. And then there were just the other innocents that would be rolling down the street in their perfectly maintained, factory-maintained, totally standard uh, vehicle, and they would just spin bearings. Just do a rod end and knock, 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 knock. It just... And there were, you know, all these arguments on the net about it possibly being something to do with, um, you know, incorrect hardening of the crank and all these sorts of things. But it was mainly just um, poor materials and tolerancing, I would think. And, you know, no one needs these problems when it's a brand new car. And, you know, people will be saying, oh, part of the Subaru problem, and head gaskets, leaky head gaskets. Oy, oy, oy. And, you know, people will be saying, yeah, that's because they're always sitting in water because it's a flat engine. No, that wasn't really the way. 
<laughs> you know, there were some head clamping issues. The heads themselves are very, very soft. We found this out in the billet block program. You know, we couldn't use an age 625 stud in them because you just like squeeze the head out of shape. Chris from CNC has done billet heads for them and it got rid of that poor design, which is the dog leg design in the exhaust ports. They can run straight ports and all sorts of stuff like that. So, you know, they were a real tuners and an aftermarket car. And I know many people in the aftermarket that made tons of money out of developing parts for them and working on them because they were, they kind of needed it. They could barely support much more than standard power level reliably. You know, you get the odd fluker that would live for a little while, but they just weren't that good. And, you know, once you did start winding big power into them, they'd, they'd distort the tunnel. The, the cases would move around. And I remember when we first uh, <laughs> debuted the billet block on uh, Nazioch, North American Subaru Impreza's owner club, on the forum. I put up some pictures of it, beautiful gold, little golden egg it was. And uh, someone got on there and said, these dickheads in Australia, they had a chance to fix the problem with the Subaru and they've just replicated it. And I said, what's that? And he goes, well, you made it too hard still. Should have just made up one solid block. He obviously didn't think about how you were going to get the crankshaft into that. Maybe cut it up, install it in pieces and weld it back together. Sounds good to me. But yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of myth and legend in the Subaru industry, um, but I can... There are only very few good parts manufacturers for them. There are only very few that understand how to tune them, and there are even less that know how to build a reliable engine for them. So take that on board from someone who doesn't really have a vested interest in that market anymore and do your own research. So let's have a look at some of my Subarus and my involvement. Ooh, 1996 Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne. I tuned the Zepta-sponsored Andre Pavicevic car built by Croydon. Auto sports back then, I think they're called Croydon Racing Developments now in Sydney. That was a fast little car and he was a gun driver. So yeah, here comes some more motorcycles. Listen to that. Ducati, Arifa, Italiano, Viva. Um, and yeah, they, they, that guy was just a gun driver, went quick and we did some cool things with that car. Uh, I never jumped aboard the Ecutech train after that, but we developed a circuit you know, for the later ones. I kind of got out of the, the GC8 late game when they went to a flashable ECU in about, I think it was 98. You know, we had a little twin ROM board that, you know, you could run an external EEPROM and, and bootload the software off that. But that's as far as I got uh, before I got out of that business, Fueltronics, and went on and did something else, like write about cars and, and talk about them. Um, got right out of it for a while, and uh, my next foray into Subarus is when I had an 08 STI with a broken ringland forced on me. I was successfully club competing in Evo 10 at the time. And, you know, typical of the kid in the, the toy box that was getting, you know, all these bills paid because he was self-made. Um, you know, I had to give him the Evo 10 because that was fast and reliable because I developed it. And I had to take the broken STI and do something with it. So I did, you know, I actually went, uh, developed that car, spent a lot of time and effort on it, put a brand new short motor in it. You could get them pretty cheaply back then and developed it for Malalar. And I reckon I ran a one minute 14. Look, more motorcycles. I ran a one minute 14 around Malalar, which was pretty cool and pretty quick. I don't think any Subaru really that's pretty much a road car has even got anywhere near that a day, well, over a decade later. So it was quick. And yeah, we made it a good little car. And I kind of got out of that after I had the embarrassing incident at Legend of the Lakes where I lost control of it sideways. Uh, doing a tire warm-up and smashed down the starting gantry. 
yep, you're allowed to mess up in motor racing, and yep, you can laugh at yourself because you've got to be damn sure everyone else is. My next foray into Subarus, um, you know, I helped Bobo bunker out a lot with his, and we got that thing going fast. You know, we used to hill climb and stuff, and he got his wagon, like a, a GF8, quite a, you know, shit-looking thing, but it was like a, it was like one of those, like, it was like a farm truck, but it looked shit from the outside, but underneath, it was like an F1 car. And, uh, yeah, he ended up, like, pasting my times, just, but still pasting my times at the Collingrove Hill Climb and stuff like that. And I helped him out long after I'd got rid of my Subaru, and it was really cool to see him be uh, the king of the castle, even though, you know, people would accuse him of cheating, because he had steamroller tyres on it, as it was said by the person in uh, question. And, yeah, I didn't really have much to do with driving one again until we got a 97, I think it was a Type R STI Coupe, and took it over to Subinats. At, um, it was a good, just an old solid shitter with a cage in it. You know, it was a good little car. And uh, we took it over to Subinats. We towed it in bunkers. Uh, we towed it with his Land Cruiser 200 and used about 6,000 litres of fuel before it cost you a limb to fill a tank. And um, got it over there, and uh, Bunker Bobo goes out first session and brings it back in a V3 with quite a nice waft of smoke out the back of it. And I hadn't even had a bloody drive yet, and we'd driven all this way, like, you know, interstate, like eight-hour, nine- or ten-hour drive to get to Phillip Island. I hadn't even had a drive, and it already V3'd it. You bastard. So I just jumped in it anyway, and we proceeded to flog the nuts off it as a V3 all day, and it loved it. Smoking, every time you started it up, it would smoke like a chimney. It was bloody incredible. And yeah, we I think we even sold it. Oh, did Phil fix that engine? No, I think someone offered us money on the day for it. Quite obviously, seeing it was a V3, probably about 1.5 times what he paid for it, and uh, we got out of it. It was, it was a funny, funny thing, that car, but... Yeah, they would still run on three cylinders for a bit. You just had to, you know, uh, check the petrol and top up and fill the oil. You know, it was one of those things. But they were great times. And even though I look back at it, and that was like a pretty shit experience. It was a pretty fun experience. And yeah, I think uh, Bunker's mechanical sympathy levels, or he was realising he had to fix it when it, if it spat a rod out the bottom. So you don't spit a rod out the side, being a flat four. He went faster than me that day. We only got a few sessions in before it was all a bit much for the poor little thing. And uh, yeah, he went faster than me. So there you go, maybe he was just better. Um, and then when we're driving back, I think it's cows on the island, which is a fair, you know, the island's a big island. It wasn't like a postage stamp Lamborghini-sized island. It was a, a real size island. And um, when we were driving back, uh, there was a guy in an 08 that had obviously done a Ringland or four at the track. And we thought the island, he would have been a kilometre in front of us, or we thought the island was on fire to the point where people were calling fire units because they thought there was an out-of-control wildfire. This STI EJ257 was smoking that badly and that desperately. Uh, we actually went past, we actually drove past to CFS, which is our country fire service for my American listeners, uh, fundraiser, and uh, they were sitting there with their trucks, with their lights on, you know, accepting donations from the public, and they were just horrified. It, it set the stage for them. It was like, <laughs> it was a... And we call that the Cockle Train, because in Adelaide, there is a steam train that runs along the coast, called the, along the Google Coast, along the Cockle Coast, called the Cockle Train. And because it's a steam train, you can see the plumes of smoke for miles. So the term is 
whenever you see an STI or a WRX or any of that ilk are blowing smoke, it's been cockle trained. What a goose. I think that might have some meaning for those of you in Adelaide, but you'll get that. Yep, watch out for the old cockle train. So what's going to be so bad about the electric STI? I would say nothing. <laughs> the real challenge is, are Subaru going to be able to make it? Development and tech-wise, the company is now pretty backwards. They put a lot of money into stuff like CVTs. And we all know how that's ended for them. Don't breathe on it. And they've put a lot of money into developing uh, flat engines still. They haven't gone away. You know, they haven't put in line, vertical, you know, up the right way. Here comes some more bikes. Hit it, boys. Oh, they got GoPros. They must be fast. Yeah. They, they just never got it, you know, and they're still building, you know, the, the FA20 DIT, you know, it's a kind of a good little engine, but it's got offset conrods and stuff like that. It's it's hard to make the things hang together. They ain't that strong. So Subaru should stop, and I think they may well have, just stop with that shit now. Keep making whatever you got left in stock and build a decent electric car. And I think if they can get their shit together and if they get the right development partners and if they don't go broke while they're, you know, trying to do this, the new STI, if and when it comes, I'm tipping 28 to 30, you know, we'll all be a fair bit older and uglier by then, right? If and when it comes, it will be a good thing. And all these, you know, people will be like, wow, I don't have to rebuild the engine every week and wow i don't have to go through 100 liters of oil a month and wow it actually goes so you know there's going to be a bit of negativity there at, at first when people are going oh i'm never buying another subaru because they're going ev well it may well be the best thing that happens to them if they do it you see there's a lot of ifs in what i've been saying and uh, anyone that knows the way in the world car market and the uh, world's manufacturers their funding is going will understand that if are two of the most important letters ever but yeah look there'll be lots of hype and lots of stuff released and lots of leaks and lots of rendering super love a good render they always have but in the short term sti prices will probably hold i don't believe any va you know current gen sti is worth 200 grand i don't care what sticker it has on it because they simply didn't make specials you know they didn't do one with a different turbocharger. They didn't do one with a better intercooler exhaust. They didn't do one, you know, that we got the spec C's and stuff in Japan, JDM only, and they were cool cars. But here, they were just parts bin badge jobs, which is just bullshit. You know, Subaru had the ability to do it, and they may well have extended the car's life and sold some more cars if they'd just gone, I think the last ones were rated at 221 kilowatts, which is like stuff all in 2022. Like stuff all. Like I can tell you, a standard Model 3 single motor POV pack Hertz hire car Tesla makes about 20 more kilowatts at the wheels than a standard uh, 21 model STI does. So you're talking about one company's slowest, most gutless offering is better than one company's highest powered offering and they're supposed to be rally bred with a pedigree? No, it was a cynical exercise in marketing towards the end. However, don't let what I say deter you. There are still plenty of good things you can do with an STI, the four-wheeled kind, maybe not the other kind. And that will be a tuner's car uh, with people trying to do things to them to make them hold together and last. 
for many, many years to come. Now, I hope you enjoyed this range anxiety. It was an honest look as I see it. Doesn't mean I'm right. I may well be wrong, but you know what? It's my podcast. I'll say what I want. Thank you for listening to Range Anxiety.